Welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an S at protonmail.com. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, I want to talk a little bit about borders and boundaries on a big scale. I've been exploring this idea of belonging uh, and what what it looks like when we're talking about migration, like the movement of people over time. And, and let's be real. I, I'm not the best historian in the world, but I'm giving this a shot because as I see some of the things that are happening around the world right now, we're in a time that it's, it's, it's new to me to, to see the type of uh, fleeing and takeovers that we're encountering right now. And I, I say that not, not to be flippant, but that's, what, that's what's going on. In the United States, there's this fleeing to us from Mexico, from the border. That that's primarily where it's coming from. There may be people getting here from other methods, but that is the primary method of arriving in the United States as, a, as an immigrant. And then we are also simultaneously seeing Russia attempting to take Ukraine, which is the, the, the single most significant takeover probably, I was, I was listening to something earlier, in maybe 70 years. Like, think about that. We haven't had an attempted major takeover, like unanticipated kind of takeover. And I say that because there's always stuff going on in the Middle East and people are trying to claim sovereignty and stuff like that. But we have not seen this up in Europe at all uh, in, in like 70 years. So we're seeing this and, and I just thought it would be interesting to explore those two very different types of migration. The fleeing and the taking. And we're going to look at it on a big scale. With the very end, a what could be a reasonable hypothesis. Um, so hang in there with me. I'm not... Uh, I'm not a conspiracy theory kind of guy uh, that doesn't really fly with me. But I, if I put puzzle pieces together and the possibility exists, which in social science, we do that all the time. We're looking at the different puzzle pieces and we're trying to say, hey, what's reasonably predictable? Reasonably. That doesn't mean we know it's going to come true or not, but what's reasonably predictable with the circumstances that we're seeing? So I'm going to go ahead and do that at the end as well. So let's break down this fleeing piece. Fleeing from a place is usually for <laughs> one of two reasons. Uh, we, we flee because of fear, right? Fear of wh what's going on where we are or hope of what we could achieve in a different location, right? So people in, in the old days used to flee the island in hopes of finding a land that maybe provided more resources and made surviving a little bit better and easier or more comfortable or whatever, uh, more prosperous for their family or their, uh, their people or whatever it goes. So 
fear or hope. Again, we're dealing with two really powerful emotional responses. Fear in the United States. When people come to the United States in fear, there's a term we use called asylum. If they are fearful of persecution based on race, religion, nationality, membership in a social group, or a political opinion, they can seek asylum in the United States. Now, why do I say that? Because we have some misperceptions, I think, in the United States right now about what asylum means. I, when I encountered this, I started looking at it and going, I need to understand more. So I went to some guiding documents and you might be going, what documents? Well, the, the federal codes, the Code of Federal Regulations, CFR, so it's 8 CFR 208.13, specifically outlines asylum. And not just anyone can claim asylum based on our rules and regulations. They have to be fearful of persecution. If they're not fearful, if they're, if they're hoping for something better, it's not asylum. I know that's a weird thing, but it, when you read the CFRs, it's clear. Hope is for a totally different process. And I'll explain that in a moment. But what does it take to get asylum in the United States? Well, the burden of proof is on the asylum seeker. They have to prove that they were being persecuted or persecution was imminent. It was about to happen, right? So the past or future persecution, the idea that it was about to happen is, is a possible reason. And in the CFR, it does say the testimony may be enough, which means you can come with nothing and ask for asylum. That does not mean asylum will be granted. If you don't ask for asylum and you don't state that you are fearful of persecution, then that is the wrong pathway to go. So many of these people, I don't know, I don't really, I, I haven't looked into it. I, I wonder how many people are either coached to say you're fearful or, you know, they're, you know, they get here and they say, I'm hopeful. And they, you know, they realize that that doesn't fly. I mean, that I, I get the idea. If you're fearful in one in one place, you might be hopeful in another. But if you you're not saying you're fearful, it doesn't qualify for asylum. It's just very very clear in the uh, CFR. The other piece that's a required component is that you have to be unable or unwilling to return to your country. In other words, that fear might be so great that in the event your country said, hey, you can come back and we will protect you. You have to say, no, I don't want to come back or I can't come back. So if you're leaving your country to go to the United States because you have family in the United States that sought asylum at one point, that doesn't qualify you for asylum. Not unless you're under the same conditions that they were under. It's kind of a tough 
you know, nut here. Like it, it's, yeah, uh, it's really sad and it's really unfortunate how it all can play out. And that's why some people can be granted asylum and others under similar circumstances may not be granted asylum. And remember, I talked about the other aspect of it, the piece about hope. If you are seeking to enter the United States and you're hopeful for a better future, it requires a totally different process. I'm going to summarize it because it's the vast majority of the other uh, you know, uh, CFRs around the 8 CFR 208.13. There's probably like 40 more that all cover somewhat, to a degree at least, the idea of, well, what happens if you don't qualify for asylum? What are the other options? And if, if I summarize it, look, you can go do your research. You're smart. My audience is very smart people. Go do your research. But it really, there's two main classifications that I could identify. One, it's based on economy. And two, it's based on image. So I'll give you the examples. There's just a really simple example of each. One of the qualifiers for, say, uh, the migration, the immigration into the United States without asylum is if you're a benefit to our economy. In other words, you are able to pay the taxes, you are able to uh, get a good job because you come with certain skill sets that we need, then we'll consider it. And we do you know, green cards and we, we have all these work visas and all kinds of stuff. The other is image related. And that's going to be things like, hey, this puts us on a good footing in the worldview, like being a student. You know, if you're an exchange student, there's qualifications. But remember, that's, that's image-based. So I see those two uh, you know, explanations the most uh, easily accessible, right? That you drive our economy and help us improve our economy, or you make us look good. And either way, that would be a, a victory for the United States, and we'll go ahead and probably issue you some sort of a, a, a visa or a green card, something that allows you to stay and, and be part of what we're doing. So let's go ahead and transition from here to the taking part. When we look at the, the taking part, uh, it's almost purely political or religious as we look back in time. Now, recently, it's primarily political. And I say that because those are the two aspects that I've seen in what I've looked at. Now, again, I'm not the best historian in the world. So do what you want with that information. Um, I, I, would, I would definitely look into my, my history knowledge uh, before a lot of this other stuff. But political and religious. Political is suggesting superiority, a perceived right of a country to occupy another space. When we look at what's, what Russia is doing with Ukraine, that's what it's about. It's like, no, these are our people. This is our place. We have the right to be here. That's the perception that Russia would have and suggest. They remember when I talked about fleeing, it was about fear or hope. Well, in the taking of a place, they use fear and hope to motivate and manipulate. 
So it's using fear and hope as a tool to get what we want, right? So a political stance of what we want. Image is the biggest risk when it comes to taking a location. Because if the world doesn't agree with it and like it, then the world is going to cause you some problems, right? They're going to withhold products. They're going to you know, renegotiate treaties and you know, different agreements that you have. And, and they're going to potentially view you as a tyrant, uh, somebody who's just eager to have all the power that they can get and all the, the land and all the, you know, the people. And it's really see, seen as very selfish in, in many cases. Why am I saying that? Because if image is the biggest risk, later on, I want to give you an image perspective of what potentially could happen between U.S. and Mexico. So hang on to that thought for just a second. In the image, there is victim, a persecutor, and a rescuer. Those of you who have been with me for very long, you know that those are three social science things that we tie together to make the victim game. And in a situation where you're attempting, a country was attempting to take another land, another group of people as their own, you clearly see that there's the possibility of a victim, a persecutor, and a rescuer. Now, the, the United States, for the longest time, has been more of a rescuer than anything. But in current times, we're starting to see that, that, that pendulum swing a little bit. And I don't know where it's going to end up truthfully. But it's a very interesting idea to consider is the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. What are we doing if, if this hits, uh, you know, say, another place after Ukraine? It's, it's an intriguing idea to think about. The only limitation to the taking are based on acceptance or denial by other countries around the world. In other words, if Ukraine loses and Russia wins, do people around the world accept that the Ukraine territory is now part of Russia? If the world sees that, then it's a done deal. It's over. Because... That's the only limitation that there is. If the world does not recognize it and they still see Ukraine as a sovereign nation, then Russia still has a problem even if they win. It's interesting. So why does all of this matter? All right, this is where it's going to get kind of intriguing, in my opinion, from a social science standpoint. What if the U.S., brought in so many immigrants that the U.S. could reasonably argue that taking Mexico was the right move. Think about that. We have millions of people migrating from Mexico to the United States. What happens if the United States were to say, look, we have half, more than half of your population in the last five years or three years or whatever. Clearly, you as a government do not know how to take care of your people. Let us do it for you. I'm not saying I want that. Hear me clearly. I'm just talking about the possibility 
when we look at the puzzle pieces, once we get a certain population from Mexico, then what would stop the United States from starting to think about that possibility and saying, well, I mean, we're already managing, you know, a half, three quarters of their population in our own border. Well, why don't we just take the rest? Those people can go to their home and we will just manage all of it through our political system. It's an interesting thought. On a small scale, it may look like (laughs) this is going to be an interesting comparison for you. A conservatorship. The idea, and those of you who know what happened with Britney Spears not too long ago, she, uh, well, it was happening for a long time, but I think it was her dad had a conservatorship. What if the United States started looking at it like that? Like, hey, we're just going to, We're just going to take charge because you can't clearly do it. Does Mexico want that? If they don't want that, then the mass migration probably needs to stop. Does the U.S. want this? I'm going to be honest. I started, when I asked myself that question, I got, I got a little bit like, huh, I, I know that so many politicians really want more power. So I don't necessarily put it beyond some of our politicians to try to figure out how to do this in a way that's going to be easy and accepted around the world. And the easiest way of all, mass migration. If there's a mass migration, then it could be easily argued we have most of your, or a lot of your population already, and clearly they're not safe and protected where they are if we were to designate them as all asylum seekers. I don't put that beyond our politicians at times. So it's something that's interesting to consider. And for the typical citizen like myself, who I'm a therapist and I just, I just do my own work. We've got to exert our opinions based on our votes and we've got to do it before it's too late, right? Like we don't want to end up in a position where this happens and we're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. I can't believe that that happened. Like, no, you know, as well as I do. And I'm not saying all, I think there are some very good politicians out there, but many are very much power hungry, and this is not beyond them to try. From a clinical perspective, predictions are about patterning out possibilities. We look at variables, and we look for variables that people aren't considering. That's what I do as a therapist. You know, I I say, okay, how many people are in the home? Tell me about them. And they leave one out. I'm like, hmm, it's interesting that somebody got left out. I wonder why that is. I need to explore that variable. So I make predictions based on patterning possibilities. And then the client will often respond with, yeah, but that doesn't fit because, and they give me more information, more variables. So if I'm doing that normal clinical process, is it possible for the United States to get to a point where they take over Mexico and they say, It was reasonable. And they make an argument for it's the most reasonable, humane thing that we could do. 
I think there's a possibility that that could come. Again, I'm not telling you that you have to believe this. Some of you out there are probably going to be like, oh, conspiracy theory. Uh, I'm not even suggesting that this is going to happen. I'm saying as a therapist, my training is to look at the variables and say, what is possible? And this doesn't seem like a big stretch. Do what you want with it. It's still an interesting conversation, even without that potential outcome. The idea of looking at fleeing versus taking and what's going on in our world right now, it's still a good conversation. I'm hoping that you guys are having it because we need to be talking about this. Uh, Whatever this means, you've got millions of people fleeing to the United States for protection from something or with a hope for something. Either way, we've got people that need love and we got to figure out how to do that well. I don't know that taking over their homeland is going to be the right answer. And we know it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope this was an intriguing podcast today. And stay tuned. I've got an interview coming up uh, in the near future, possibly even tomorrow. So take a look at our podcast, share this with people. Enjoy. Have a great day. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a look at our website at www.healthyperspectives with a dash in between the healthy and the perspectives. Make sure there's an S at the end.com. So again, www.healthy-perspectives with an S. Dot com. 